so many different ideas about good health, how do you separate the myths from the facts? Welcome to Healthy View Radio with your trio of co-hosts, Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fennighaus. Today, you'll learn what it takes to be healthy and happy within a stressful world from three experts walking their talk. Here is Lisa, Andrea, and Michelle. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Healthy View Radio. This is the place to be every Thursday to get the wellness information you need in an easy-to-digest, highly engaging, and really fun show. My name is Andrea Beeman, and I'm joined by my fabulous co-hosts, Lisa Lutan and our young whippersnapper, Michelle Fenninghaus. <laughs> Today, we're going to be chewing the fat on fat. And I know that we have covered this topic before, but we approached it from the eating fat perspective with Nina Techholtz, right? That was her name, Techholtz? Hi, Schultz. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Nina, I hope you're close. not listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you want to check out that episode, just some, listen to these gals because they know the actual name of it. <laughs> but I believe that today we are talking about our own fat, like our body fat. Uh, and this can be a touchy subject for lots of folks. And I remember that when we first started this show many moons ago, um, I described my former dieting self as a fatty, you know, fatty, F-A-T-T-I-E. And a listener wrote in to say that she was so offended by my use of the F word. And, uh, you know, and I understand that. So how about you two gals? Do you find that fat and talk of fat is a sensitive subject for many folks. Oh, it's shameful. (laughs) Downright shameful that we should have fat on our bodies. My goodness, let's not talk about that at all. We better change the episode of (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just a loaded topic. I mean, you can't have a topic about fat without bringing up a lot of things for most women, not every woman, woman, but I would say it is definitely a you know, you tread lightly when having a discussion around it. That's so funny. If you look at a lot, if you go to the Museum of Natural History or any of the real old archaeological digs, right, the artifacts of the women were voluptuous. They were well-rounded, so to speak. And you look at the old paintings from the Renaissance and you had these beautiful, full-figured women that were round and they were goddesses and they were gorgeous. And it seems like, like what Michelle said earlier, there's a lot of shame around fat. And, you know, I, I think that we've really, like when I called myself a fatty, it was from a fun, playful perspective. Like, I like that I have a little butt, you know, like I like that, you know, like the first thing to go when I initially lost 25 pounds was my boobs kind of deflated. They lost their, their fat. And I was at a wedding the other night and one of my friends said to me, she goes, she goes, you know, in 20, 20 something years, you lost that weight and your boobs never came back. (laughs) (laughs) So I do miss that, you know, like that little extra fullness that I used to have from the fat. Um, so what, what do you girls, uh, I I actually read an article this morning about, um, 90% of women and 10% of men have cellulite. Cellulite. Is it cellulite or cellulite? Cellulite. Either cellulite. way. Either way. Wants it. Nobody wants no, it. <laughs> I don't have it. I'm really happy I don't have it. I think there might be a genetic thing there, though, because, or maybe it's I've been weightlifting for like 30 years. 
Um, so that might have something to do with it. Yes. Say something about what you just said about your boobs. I mean, the problem with fat is we can't pick where it goes. Mm-hmm. Like some people, they get in their boobs or their butt. Other people, it goes right to their belly and their thighs and their hips. And so if we could put the fat in like our cheeks, you know, <laughs> then it would be awesome. But, you know, it, we don't have that choice. And so that's kind of tough. Well, surely we could take some and like inject it into our forehead. (laughs) I'm sure people are doing this. Yes, they are. Yeah, they are. Yes, I have two. I have a good story for you. Not two. I'll just go to one. I have a friend who is, she's gorgeous. And she's, at the time, this was 10 years ago, she was 54 and just stunning. And she used to, yeah, she used to get her, um, her cellulite removed. She used to get the, what, liposuction? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, so she got liposuction around her belly, and the fat came back in a different area. It came back in her arms, and then she had to get that fat done. And then the fat that they were pulling out, they were putting in other parts of her body. Like, And she had a friend who um, wanted this. There was this fat thing that was done where they, they inject fat under your eyes to make them not sunken in, and her friend who couldn't absorb fat had the, the surgery done, and she had little fat blobules. Just, ew. It looked horrifying. Ew, I mean, ew, ew, ew. Horrifying, right? I don't think you're supposed to be injecting ew, fat. No. <laughs> Experiment I, gone bad. I think the new thing is cool sculpting now where people freeze and melt their fat. What? That's what I keep hearing about. Yeah, like they, they freeze it like on their belly and then they pee it out. Yeah, all sorts of things going on in the fat world. What? Oh my goodness. Yeah. That I have never heard. Uh-huh. Well, unlike you, Lisa, I do have cellulite. I will admit it. And I will also say it's not getting any better. I probably had the same amount of cellulite on the back of my thighs since I was I don't know, 19 years old. It's always been like that. And it's, it's slowly but steadily moving down my leg, you know? And but I, that's what I mean. It's genetic. I think we're just kind of born, you know, getting it or not. I don't think it's a question of, you know, what, you know, your weight. I think that mm-hmm. some people will get it when they're thinner. Some people will get it when they're heavier. And it's really not so much your fault. I really do believe there's a, a big piece of that. <laughs> Well, here I am exercising my whole life, eating well, at a great weight. I feel good. So I figure if that's my thing, then that's my thing. Oh, well. Yes, but do you hear (laughs) what you just said, Lisa? You said it's not your fault as if cellulite is a bad thing. So if Mm. a snowstorm came or an ice storm came and, and, um, and it was just you and Michelle in a cave, right? And there was no food around. Guess who would survive? No, that's not true because I probably have way more body fat, just not cellulite. So I think I would survive longer. <laughs> oh, we will see, Lisa. We yes. will see what happens. Put it to a test. It's just, it's, you know, it's just a type of fat, I guess. But I have plenty of body fat to keep me warm. well the big thing that we know we want to avoid or the most problematic fat is more of the visceral fat that's happening around our organs and that's different than the cellulite and that's different from the fat you know under here or or anywhere else on our body so I, I think one thing we'll be talking about today is that the difference of where fat is on your body and which kind matters most 
Yeah. And, um, and whenever I see people with that fat in the belly, I know that they're stressed out. Like it has more to do with stress than actually what they're eating. When the rest of their body is thin and they have this layer, <laughs> all right, you, what is it it's called? The tire? Is that it? The, mm-hmm. fat the tire? Spare tire. Oh, spare tire. I use the word fat again. <laughs> I'm going to be put to hell. <laughs> um, but back to the cellulite, I, when I was heavier, I had much more cellulite than I, I still have cellulite like Michelle. I still have cellulite, but it's nothing compared to what it used to be. And I think it's because of exercise and building muscle. Uh, but I'm not sure. Like I read an article once that the more muscle you have or the fascia, the way that the muscle is laying, then the fat can't seep through and get to that outer layer and create that, those cellulite. The dimply stuff. The dimply stuff. But if it's there, I guess it's always going to be there. Like I haven't, no matter how thin, like even when I was a vegan in my early 30s and I was like 118 pounds, which is very tiny for me, 118 pounds, I still had uh, a little bit of cellulite. And I was like a bone. Yeah. Yeah. You see that all the time. What do they call that? They call it skinny fat. Skinny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you're you're a thin thin person, but you have that right. So you like kind of dimply stuff on the back of your legs. I've heard that called skinny fat. See, we got all kinds of derogatory <laughs> ways of putting each other down, putting ourselves down. I used to stand in the mirror when I was uh, a young adult, maybe even as a teenager, and pulled my inner thighs back. Like if I could just lose that fat between my thighs, how much better I would look in this bathing suit, you know? And I mean. It hasn't changed. My legs are pretty much the same size as they were then. And sometimes I still pull that area back and think, how do people do that? How do they get that thigh gap? And then I remember, it's Photoshop. (laughs) I do the same thing. And I remember when we were kids, we'd go, wouldn't it be cool if they could take a vacuum and suck out any fat? You know, we were like these teeny little kids. And like, yeah, somebody actually did that. But yeah, it's so sad because I remember doing that and I was a skinny kid, but my was like, oh, my thighs, my thighs. So these messages are coming to us so young, you know, that our bodies are supposed to look a certain way and that there's no, not supposed to be any fat on them. And it's, it's hard. I think a lot of people just really have unrealistic expectations of what their body can, should look like. Yeah. And I think that we've also been manipulated by the media you know, in so many different ways, like the, like it's starting to come back now, like fat is not unhealthy. It's just been thought of as unhealthy. It, it depends on the fat, like Michelle was talking about. But, you know, I know not lots of heavier people that are very, very healthy, strong, zoftig, full, uh, full bodied, right? Uh, Michelle, you were going to say something. Oh, I totally forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Before I rudely interrupt you your little on, finger. Hold on me too late. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to your story about someone who is zuftig. I have never heard anybody use that word in common conversation. Oh, I love that word. <laughs> great that, word. I grew up hearing that word. That is it's the name Yiddish. of a Jewish deli in Brookline, Massachusetts. Right. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's still there. It might be. It might not. It's a really but good Yeah. One. It was used often in my childhood. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Because my, my family is from, you know, Europe, right? So you uh-huh. have the Russian Jews and the uh, Romanian Jews. And these were Zoftic people, <laughs> right? Right. They were thick and full. Um, 
and healthy. You know, like they had this extra layer of 27 layers and they were pretty healthy and had lived pretty long, healthy lives. But I think that the fat that makes us unhealthy is what we were talking about before. What Michelle had mentioned was that tire right around that. Yeah, the visceral fat. Okay, I remember what I was going mm-hmm. to say. So we're talking about everything that's wrong with fat on our body. But like Andrea, you were saying, you know, there's some goodness that comes out of having fat on your body. So one of us would outlive the other if the apocalypse, apocalypse <laughs> comes. And um, for example, fat that layers itself on your belly area sends calming messages to your brain. When I learned that, I'm like, oh my goodness, that explains so much, but why we can't get rid of it. We stress more. Our body packs the fat on to help itself, to protect itself, right? It's saying like, oh no, everything's wrong. We're really stressed out. We might starve. We better like protect all of our most important organs. So it's serving a really important purpose, but it's sort of a maladaptation in our modern world. That's not really the kind of protection we need. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it shows that our bodies are doing what they're supposed to do. You know, they're supposed to pack on that extra fat to protect us from from famine and everything else. But you're right. In our world today, everything's gone crazy and our bodies are so confused. Yeah. And, you know, the fat is going to store, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, we need the fat for our hormones, right? So um, the less fat that we have, the less estrogen. Is that correct? Yes. I have to check with the biochemist who's coming on. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, you know, all around the world, women have longer lifespans than men all around the world. And it's from our ability to store fat, our ability to, um, we have a stronger internal system, actually. So if you look at lifespans in every country, women outlive men. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, like we're always shipping the men off to war. That was one of the reasons. <laughs> right? The men weren't coming back. Uh, so you'd have all these women around. But part of it is that our ability to store and utilize nutrients exceeds men. And do you know why? No. Because we build babies. We're designed to build a baby. So internally, we're stronger on the inside. So that, you know, all of that fat and your nutrients and all is used to build babies. And to help you survive while you have another person inside of you. Wow. Which is no small task. No. No. Did we learn on Healthy View Radio? All this interesting information. (laughs) I knew we were the stronger sex. All right. (laughs) We're totally the stronger sex. I mean, A-Rod's in the the control room. He's like, what are these girls talking about? I'll turn off all their microphones. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. So today, um, what do you hope our listeners are going to get out of this episode? Is it about feeling better about the fat that we're carrying around on our bodies? Or is it about learning how to ultimately get rid of the fat we're carrying Mm -hmm. around on our bodies? I think that, you know, according to her book, you know, she talks a lot about the history of fat and what's going on in our knowledge about fat and the different types of fat, but then also what we need to do to reduce the fat. So it could, we'll see where this conversation goes. And if people want to see where, want it to go a certain way, please comment on the Facebook page and we will see if we can direct it that way. We've <laughs> already learned, by the way, from Robin that Zoftigs is still in Brookline and in Framingham. So. <laughs> 
Thanks, Robin. A great time. <laughs> We're going to have to go and visit Lisa out in uh, Massachusetts and go to Brookline. Come on over. And where's the other one? What's Where's Framingham? It's not far from me either. Wow. So you guys have a nice community of Zoftig people <laughs> over there. <laughs> um, whenever I go... It's interesting how different cultures look at thin and fat. So when I used to go and visit my husband's family in Miami, they would always tell me that I was too skinny, mm. right? And they had the bad fat, right? They would have the, the belly fat and the, the visceral fat. And the, they're American uh, Cubans, not Cuban Cubans. The American Cubans kind of fell apart. And then if I go to, um, to get my nails done at the Korean place, every time that I go in, the the big Korean woman says, too skinny, too skinny. And she brings me dumplings. She brings me all this food. <laughs> That's so, a good deal. Yes, are you kidding? So like it's cultural too. Like some people like want you to be thicker and bigger. And, and of course we have our American culture, which is like thin is best and Photoshop the crap out of the girls to make everybody feel bad. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? Well, I think anyone that grew up during an era where there was, or in a place where there wasn't enough food, you know, having fat is seen as a very attractive thing. It means you're wealthy. It means that you're well-fed. It's just aspirational. But in a culture like ours of overindulgence, mm. it's the opposite. You know, only people that can, you know, not just be eating at McDonald's or the people who've learned to cook and shop and have the time to do so or whatever, or the personal trainers or the Pilates or all the things that keep us thin, you know, that is seen as aspirational. It doesn't have to be that way, but I think that's the divide. Yeah. And I think that just, you know, be healthy. That's what we all want, right? Just don't focus on that. That is so depressing. I I see a lot of women and they're like, they come in and they're thin and they're beautiful. And they're like, I need to lose five pounds. And I'm like, why? Mm. You know, it's like, you look great, you know? And so just no matter what size you are, eat healthy, move your body as much as you can, take care of yourself. And that's the most important thing we can do because we are built different way. And some of us are going to get cellulite and some of us aren't. And some of us are going to get more belly fat than others. There's only so much we can do. So I really do think be kind to yourself and be healthy. Yeah, I think the kinder that we are to ourselves, the more that we love ourselves, the, then that other stuff kind of goes away and you'll reach the exact weight that you're going to be. You know, like um, if, if you're always stressing out, like we talked about earlier, if you're always stressing out, I got this five pounds, I got that, it's going to stay exactly where it is. It's going to stay on your body. But if, you, if you're like, okay, this is who I am and this is what I have and I'm healthy and I take care of myself... Uh, I, I think that if it's supposed to go, it'll go. It won't stay. I could be mistaken. So to help us get a bigger, bigger uh, picture of uh, fat, we have Dr. Sylvia Tara on the show today. Dr. Tara was driven to research fat, science, and lifestyle after she got fed up with eating less and exercising more than her slimmer friends. Her experiences told her there was more to weight loss than just calorie in and calorie out. As a biochemist, she needed to get to the bottom of fat's mysteries and the reasons why it vexes us. In her best-selling book, The Secret Life of Fat, she reveals a complex biology of fat, how it resists loss, and what it means for each of us. Dr. Tara holds a PhD in biochemistry from the University of California, so she understands fat at the molecular level level and she's going to share some of her wisdom with us today so don't go away we'll be right back after this short break
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you sick of striving for a vision of healthy that just doesn't exist? Join the club. Expert health coaches Andrea Beeman, Michelle Fenighaus, and Lisa Lutan are more than just voices on the radio. They're here to help you make real change in real life. Join their Facebook community, HealthyViewRadio.com, to ask questions, get behind the scenes, and receive early access to special offers and events. Again, you can connect at HealthyViewRadio.com. Remember to subscribe to Healthy View Radio on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Do you ever have an off day? Or is your life positive and uplifting? Making Life Brighter is a forum for positive, inspired, and contemplative thought, showcasing experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Your host, Winifred Adams, will bring to life topics to stimulate and make your life brighter. We want to hear from you. Be sure to tune in Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fenighaus with Healthy View Radio. Do you have a question or comment for the show? Please call us right now at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email from our Voice America radio page. You'll find connections to reach any of the hosts there. Now, back to Healthy View Radio. Hello and welcome back. We've got a nice fat episode of Healthy View Radio for you today. And we're about to say hello to our guest, Dr. Sylvia Tara, author of The Secret Life of Fat. Hello, Sylvia. Welcome to the show. Hi there. It's great to be here. Oh, we're so happy that you can join us. We're getting lots of questions for you over here on our Facebook feed, so hopefully we'll be able to get to tons of those. But before we do anything, we'd like our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. So can you tell us, what did you have for breakfast today? <laughs> I had some ground beef and half a piece of whole wheat bread. Wow, that's an interesting breakfast. Yeah, we haven't yeah. heard that one yet. That's actually super cool. I like to eat with a little bit of what was left over from the night before. It's just fast and easy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. We like fast yeah. and easy. Yeah. Now, what is one thing that you do every day that has the greatest positive impact on your life? I try to exercise every day, um, and that has positive impact for so many reasons, for mental health, <laughs> for physical health, and just to stay disciplined and keep at it. Um, I do at least half an hour on an elliptical machine. And if I have time, I add in some uh, strength building exercise. All right. I'm right there with you. Exercise every day. Keeps me, keeps me going. Now, take us to the other side of your personality. Can we hear what is your biggest guilty pleasure? Sugar. 
I have not given up sugar and I actually don't want to. So I have a little bit of a sweet thing every day. In fact, and I write about this in my book, um, it actually helps me stay really satiated. The key is you just don't overdo it. Just have a few bites, wait a while. And amazingly, I feel full. I feel satiated for about five hours afterward. And wow. that doesn't happen if I don't have that. So I use dessert really strategically. That's interesting. So are we talking <laughs> about popping a sugar cube or are you doing some sort of maple syrup? What, uh, what form of sugar? No, it has to be funner than that. So this is very <laughs> counter- uh, I guess it's, uh, you know, counter to what the common philosophy is now on sugar. And uh, no, but it, it's whatever I feel like. So this is another way where I don't get sick of my diet. Um, you know, if I want a spoon of ice cream or I want a bit of, you know, a chocolate, whatever it is, um, I just take a really small amount. And what I've learned by keeping a log and monitoring my body and weight is that there's certain sugars I can get away with. My body doesn't react terribly to, doesn't gain weight. There's other types of sugar where I will definitely gain weight. So it has white flour, like a cookie, I'll gain weight on that. And so, but I can have straight chocolate and I don't gain weight on that. So I can have, you know, a few squares of chocolate after a lunch or so and uh, nothing happens. Um, the important part is though that I do intermittent fasting. So I do not eat after three or four o'clock. I make sure I have a good 16 hour fast in there. And so as long as I do that also, um, that's a way that I can maintain weight and yet eat kind of what I want during the day and not have to be too strict. Very interesting. Well, we'd love to hear more about how intermittent fasting is working. Lisa, did you have a question? Yeah, I do. Like, I love that idea. And then once in a while, I'll stop eating at three or four. And I love that. But what if you have, how do you have a social life, like going out to dinner with friends and stuff? I'm very yeah. curious about that. I eat on those occasions. I all eat dinner. I won't have a big dinner, but I'll have a little bit. Um, you know, but no, the real life has to happen. And there's different ways to do intermittent fasting. Some people I know, they don't eat during the day. So they'll skip their breakfast, lunch, and they'll just eat dinner. And I know people who have success on that. For me, when I'm working, I can't be hungry. I can't be wondering about food. I have to have my lunch. And so I just make sure to have something small at three o'clock and I'll skip. But certainly if there's a birthday celebration or we're going out, um, you know, I'll have a little bit of dinner on those days. The key is to get right back to your regular routine the very next day. Don't go down the slippery slope. Well, I had dinner yesterday. I kind of broke my diet. I might as well break it today too. <laughs> Just get right back on. And that, that'll be the key to, to keeping your weight manageable. All right. So we are here to talk about the secret life of fat. I love the name of your book, by the way. And um, I think most, of, most people think of fat on their body as sort of this gummy, useless, and offensive substance that's making their legs jiggle. But it's been called an organ. Um, it's been called the largest endocrine gland in the body. So can you tell us what exactly is fat? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And so fat, it's more than just a repository of calories, which is how people think of it. They think of it as vestigial from the past where we had famine, we don't really need it anymore in these times of plenty. But in truth, you know, fat is doing a lot more than just storing calories. It is an endocrine organ. It produces estrogen. Women rely on their fat for estrogen as their ovaries stop producing it around menopause. It becomes very critical, and it's a hypothesis. That's a reason why middle-aged women have trouble losing fat. It's because your body actually needs it. Um, it produces leptin, adiponectin, all these hormones that actually keep our bodies really healthy. So it's critical. You know, a way to think about it, it's, it's like skin. So just a piece of skin is a, a skin tissue right? But skin in its totality around our body is an organ. And fat is the same way. If you just excise a piece of fat out, it's just a piece of fat tissue. But in its totality, it is functioning like an, or an organ and releasing key hormones into our body. So we have to actually keep our fat healthy. We have to protect it. 
just like we have campaigns around our colons, our lungs, our brains, well, your fat's another organ and actually needs to be maintained and kept healthy. That's a fascinating concept. Protect your fat. Oh, yes. We definitely need to talk more about that. (laughs) What would be one thing that most people are doing that is harming their fat and how should we be protecting it? Yeah, there's a bunch of things. So I'm not promoting obesity. I'll be clear about that. When you have excess amounts of fat, particularly visceral fat, which you talked about earlier, that is unhealthy, right? So you want to have a healthy level of fat and you want to keep that fat healthy. One thing we do that's bad is a yo-yo dieting, right? So when we lose, we gain, we lose, we're constantly on this, you're confusing your fat. It thinks it's in a state of, you know, you're trying to get rid of it. So it tries to protect itself. Um, and then, you know, you, you're trying to put weight back, you know, it's then when you go back and you, you start eating again too, then it's confusing about, well, I thought we were going to be at this new lower weight. Why are we going to this higher weight? So that's a really unhealthy thing we do to our fat. Um, exercise actually uh, helps with our fat, helps keep it in the right areas. So one thing is uh, make sure you're not getting a lot of visceral fat. And one quick test you can do to see how much visceral fat you have, um, and visceral fat is that fat underneath the stomach wall, near the belly, near the in, uh, internal organs. Um, but if you lie flat on your back and that fat in your belly tends to dissipate and your belly goes flat, it's probably not visceral fat. If that paunch is staying straight out and you still have a big hump on your stomach, then that is probably fat underneath your stomach wall. So part of keeping fat healthy is making sure it's in the right place. You can have fat on your buttocks, your arms, right, your, your thighs. That's a healthy deposit of fat. If you have it underneath the stomach wall, that visceral fat, that is now linked to diabetes and cardiovascular disease. So I do a, a bit on um, healthy but, uh, you know, fit but fat. And I talk about sumo wrestlers in this section. And sumo wrestlers are an interesting case because they're clearly obese, but they're metabolically healthy. And that's because they have all that fat you're seeing, it's subcutaneous fat, the fat right underneath the skin that we talked about in the buttocks, legs, you know, uh, arms, even that belly fat, it's underneath the skin, it's not underneath the stomach wall. So they don't have a lot of diabetes or cardiovascular events. Um, And one reason is because our fat produces a hormone called adiponectin. And adiponectin actually helps guide the fats in our blood to the subcutaneous area and away from visceral fat. Exercise promotes the release of adiponectin from fat. And so sumo wrestlers exercise seven hours a day. They have plenty of adiponectin. Therefore, they are fit um, but fat. Don't they they also, uh, sumo wrestlers, don't they also intermittent fasting in the morning? They don't eat when they're exercising and then they have, I just read about this like a week ago. (laughs) They have 20,000 calories a day, 10,000 at lunch and 10,000 at dinner. And then they stop eating. Um, and then they, do, they ex- wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and they exercise all the way until lunchtime. <laughs> That's right. And they, they, eat, like, they don't eat a lot of processed food. So the calories yeah. they're getting, are, they're somewhat healthy. They're just getting a ton of them right at those yeah. times. And then they're exercising a ton. So, you know, we don't need to, you know, get on the regimen of sumo wrestles. But it shows that that, that method kind of works, that intermittent fasting, exercising every day, just making sure your fat is in the right place. I mean, it's always good to not be obese, not be terribly overweight. But if you are going to have some extra fat, put it in the right places and you will be healthy. And, you know, realistically speaking, I know the diet industry bombards us with six-pack abs and these really fit 9% fat models everywhere. You don't have to be that in order to be healthy. And, uh, you know, I think what what it really is is understanding your fat at a molecular level, you know, at a physiological level and, and understanding what you can be and still be healthy and live long. 
Now, what about our cellulite? We were talking about that earlier. Does cellulite have any redeeming value that we should appreciate it for? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I think not that I could ever find. Cellulite is when your fat is breaking through connective tissue. And so it just, you know, it's just fat. It just looks worse than normal smooth fats. And so I can't think of anything redeeming there. <laughs> All right. I thought I would try sure. for it. We still love you, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, I thought this is really um, fascinating. In your book, you talk about fat as being white, beige, or brown. So it sounds like I'm picking out a couch. Can you tell us about these color options? Yeah, so we have all kinds of fat in our body. You know, we talked about visceral fat versus subcutaneous fat. But then that's true. We also have something called brown fat. And brown fat is almost the opposite of our regular fat. Instead of just hoarding calories, it's actually burning calories to produce heat in our body. And so, you know, people who are exposed to a lot of cold, they actually have a little higher amounts of brown fat. Babies have higher amounts of brown fat to help keep them warm. Um, and then there's beige fat. And beige fat is newly discovered just in the last few years. It's this fat that's capable of turning brown when it experiences a trigger, such as exercise or, or cold exposure. And that's, that's around too. So there's white fat. And white fat can be either subcutaneous, right, underneath your skin, or it can be in the visceral fat area too. So two types of white fat. Um, and then there's also brown fat around your, your heart area, your spine, around your head. And then there's beige fat distributed around your body. There's an interesting uh, research going on now, which is they're looking at other ways to convert beige fat to brown to help with weight loss. And so they have people swimming in cold swimming pools. Um, they're even looking at injecting brown fat into white fat to help. But it's a whole area of research now about how to increase that. And I can tell you from personal experiences, uh, when I did this research, my, my husband decided to go into the pool every day and have a cold swim. He's always a skinny guy, but he can eat probably, I don't know what, 25% more after he started doing this, uh, you know, and still maintain his weight. So I think he's getting some brown fat and cold exposure has been good for him. I see. So we would, if we had a choice and we could really pick our color option, brown fat is the way to go. Yes, you will never have tons of brown fat. We're just not genetically, you know, ascribed to have that. But yes, increasing brown fat, exercising your brown fat is a good thing to do. So I can't get that brown fat from brown butter and sage? <laughs> Unfortunately not. <laughs> that is my favorite brown fat, Andrea. Bring that up. Maybe a squeeze of lemon right in there. I love it. Well, you know, yesterday, you guys, I actually shared a meme on my Facebook page. That sh it was just a little funny thing. It showed how a man can stop putting cream in his coffee and he'll just lose 10 pounds. But a woman can go to the gym every day, give up carbs, give up wine. She can catch a stomach bug. And in the end, she'll end up gaining a pound. And so many <laughs> were like laughing because there's truth to this. So can you talk to us about the difference between men and women when it comes to our fat? Yeah, for sure. I have a whole chapter on women versus men and fat in The Secret Life of Fat. And I had to do this because, as I was saying, I have a husband who can eat anything and stay thin. And it's really frustrating for me because I have exactly this problem. I'll go on a diet and somehow gain a pound somewhere. So I researched this to the hilt. And there's actually labs around the world that study exactly this, this topic. Why are women different than men? Um, women partition nutrients differently. So it's like a 401k account. Like for every, every uh, $100 you make, some portion will go into 401k when you have one of these programs. It's the same for women. Some, if we eat 100 calories, we'll put more into our fat, you know, that 401k compared to men, which will we'll only do, uh, you know, we'll do much, much less. Women store fat at about two to three times the rate that men do. 
and were fatter from the very beginning. They do studies uh, with 5,000 babies and they look at them. Girl babies are always fatter. They're probably fatter in utero. It's just the way our bodies are designed to have a little bit more fat. What's really interesting is that women utilize their fat more. So like when we're energy depleted, if we do a long exercise bout or you know, after a fast, women will reach for their fat more and use that as calories, whereas men will reach for glycogen, which is an energy store in muscle. And you think this is great. Well, I should exercise all the time because I'm going to use my fat. Problem is, as soon as, as soon as you eat, you're back into partitioning more nutrients into fat and storing it at two to three times the rate as men. So it's harder for women. And our bodies are so designed to keep us heavy that we also have stronger um, reaction to exercise. So when women exercise, like, like a good bout of exercise, like a two-hour bout or so, our ghrelin levels actually are higher. And ghrelin is a hormone from the stomach that actually produces hunger. And levels in women are about 33% higher than they are for men after exercise. And when they experiment and they let you know, people go to a buffet after they eat, women will pile on food because we're starving after we exercise. And that effect will last all day. Even after you eat, you'll be hungrier after exercise. So nature really wants women to have more fat. And we're designed to have that. So don't feel badly about that. Um, and the other thing to feel good about is uh, although we have more fat, we tend to have healthier fat than men. Right, so less visceral fat. Um, we we because we efficiently put our fat into our fat tissue. It's not floating around in our blood. It's not going into our heart or our liver, places where fat doesn't belong. It's going onto our bodies, into our fat tissue, and that keeps us healthier from cardiovascular disease and type two diabetes. So one reason to really like your fat, not to mention it produces estrogen, which you do need also for your bones and for your health. Excellent. Well, listen, we need to take a break, but we'll be back in just a moment with Dr. Sylvia Tara to talk more about the secret life of fat. Hang in there. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you sick of striving for a vision of healthy that just doesn't exist? Join the club. Expert health coaches Andrea Beeman, Michelle Fenighaus, and Lisa Lutan are more than just voices on the radio. They're here to help you make real change in real life. Join their Facebook community, HealthyViewRadio.com, to ask questions, get behind the scenes, and receive early access to special offers and events. Again, you can connect at HealthyViewRadio.com. Remember to subscribe to Healthy View Radio on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have you figured out what to attract in your life in order to make it successful? There are those who can and those who can learn. Your intensified energy gives you willpower to move the bar forward and be happy. Happy people spread their energy throughout their lives, and once they figure it out, go on to be successful at nearly everything they set their mind to. Join host Ellen Morano and her panel of guest experts and co-hosts on Generate Massive Energy for a Fulfilling Life, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fenighaus with Healthy View Radio. Do you have a question or comment for the show? 
Please call us right now at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email from our Voice America radio page. You'll find connections to reach any of the hosts there. Now, back to Healthy View Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to Healthy View Radio. I'm Lisa Lutan, and today we have been talking about fat. Yes, we're giving you the skinny on fat with Dr. Sylvia Tara. And we have a question from one of our listeners, Sean. Sean is asking, would love to hear about how to safely get the body to burn fat for energy without going into ketosis from a type 2 diabetic point of view. Would there be a difference between women and men? Um, so I think, you know, women, men are going to lose fat a lot easier, for sure. And so that's a big difference between women and men. Um, you know, intermittent fasting is really helpful if you want to lose it fast and you want to control your diabetes. You know, one key thing is that you want to get your insulin levels under control. There's some diets that call for grazing all day, five to seven meals all day. You know, the problem with that is that you're not really ever resetting your insulin levels, always high there. And you could be losing some insulin sensitivity from that. And so if you, I think the fastest way to do this, it probably is intermittent fasting, giving your body a rest from just eating anything. Let it, let it get back to its baseline level. Um, and then adding some exercise into it. Again, getting rid of that visceral fat. And men will lose weight much faster than women. Um, I did write about that. So you're actually you know, in, a, in a better shape to do that than perhaps you know, some of the, the women in your life. But I think that the fasting... Um, is good. You know, my book's really a lot about body hacking, like understanding your body and what works for you. Um, and there's really good research on this coming out of a Weizmann Institute in Israel that not all foods affect everyone the same way. There's some people who can have, you know, muffin or liquor or whatever, and they don't get a rise in their, their blood sugar. For other people, they're very sensitive and they do. Um, and like I, I body hacked a lot. I keep a really close log on what I eat and the effect that it has on me. Do I gain weight or lose weight? And if you do that, you'll start to see What's really, you know, mattering for you? What, what, it has to work biologically, your diet, you're losing weight. It has to work psychologically. It's a diet you can stay on and stand for a long time. Because one thing I did um, discover in my research is that when we lose fat, we lose the hormones it produces as well. So we'll get less leptin, say, which is a hormone fat produces. And with less leptin, your, your appetite goes to the roof, but your metabolism lowers as well because leptin binds with muscle. So you need about 22% fewer calories after you lose weight compared to someone who's naturally at that weight to begin with. So someone who was 170 and lost 20 pounds to get to 150, and you compare them to someone who's naturally at 150 pounds, that person who lost 20 pounds to get to 150 has to eat 22% fewer calories than the person who's naturally at 150 pounds. And this effect has been studied for up to six years. And it might last forever in some people. It doesn't always go away. Um, and so it's something to keep in mind. Your diet has to last you for years, a long time. Don't pick something that's, I'm going to lose 10 pounds and I can go back to normal. That's not the case. So pick something that works for you psychologically and that your body's responding to. And that will be something different for many people. I have extraordinarily stubborn fat. So for me, I, I opt for intermittent fasting. So, so let's talk a little bit. Um, so go ahead, Andrea. Yeah, I was going to say, so that's why that yo-yo is always happening, right? Yeah. Because they just, they get on they, and their body stays at that certain weight and they have to stay at that lower calorie in order to maintain that for years and years and years. That's right. And that's why yo-yo dieting is bad because you get used to a certain set point 
and then you lose weight and your body's readjusting again. So, you know, just find something you like, a way of eating, uh, you know, exercise and just just try to maintain. It's, it's easier said than done because Christmas comes every year and I, I gain weight at Christmas time. But, you know, just try to try to like get back as soon as you possibly can and maintain. So let's talk a little bit about intermittent fasting because some of our listeners, I'm sure they've heard about it. They might, might not really understand what that is. And so can you explain from your point of view, you know, what type of window you're looking at and what it's doing for the body? Yeah. So overnight is when your growth hormone levels peak and growth hormones is great fat busting hormone that our bodies produce. We have a lot less growth hormone in our body as adults and middle age compared to when we're kids, right? And that's why we can eat a lot when we're young because uh, we have these great hormones like testosterone, estrogen, growth hormone that burn up fat quickly. So it, it peaks at night, um, our growth hormone levels. When you eat, you mitigate the levels and activity of growth hormone in your body. It's actually less effective at that point. So the thought is with intermittent fasting, not eating around the sleeping time, is that you're prolonging the release and activity of growth hormone in your body by not mitigating it with eating. And that then helps you bust fat a lot better. So, you know, if you stop eating somewhat, you know, before you sleep, um, ghrelin, um, that hunger hormone, it's also something that helps stimulate growth hormone. So hunger is actually not bad to have. I know a lot of diets are all geared around how to never be hungry in your life, but it actually, you know, hunger and ghrelin actually help promote the release of growth hormone um, and glucagon. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a good thing that, uh, and, and not eating close to bedtime and it helps you sleep better. And then try not to eat right away when you wake up. See how long you can go. I mean, this whole idea of breakfast and you have to have it first. I don't eat till like nine or 10. I let myself go a little bit before I eat something. And so that's one reason that it works. It's also uh, intermittent fasting does that insulin resetting that we talked about. You're getting back to, you know, a baseline. You're not constantly bombarding your, your body cells with insulin levels, right? So you're, you're sensitive to it. And that will also keep you uh, a little bit more healthy. And then third, surprisingly, intermittent fasting has a lot um, effect on us mentally. We have more self-control when we do this. And it's an odd thing, but they see that people do intermittent fasting. They overall have a little bit more self-control and more power over their eating. And you can eat almost the same amount of calories you would spread over the whole day in that window of eating. And you'll, you'll lose weight more than if you spread it all day. So there's other effects about fasting that we don't completely know the answers to yet. But uh, so many reasons why it's good. Now, is there any science on whether it's better to eat before or after you exercise? No, not that I have read about. I think, well, a little bit, actually. Because exercising on a fasted state, you know, you will burn more fat. Um, I think the key is can you stand that, right? It depends on when you want to do it. Exercising is tricky too, because as I mentioned, there's that hunger reflex in women where we get really hungry after exercise. And I've noticed in myself, if I do a run in the morning, I'm hungry all day. <laughs> it's really hard to control. And so I think the fasted state is good. Um, and a lot of people try to do it in the morning before they eat, but then there's that hunger response. What I've learned to do is to um, do it at night, actually. So I'm a little bit in the fasted state because I haven't eaten since four o'clock or so. And then I'll do it at like eight o'clock. I'll do my elliptical machine and all that. And then pretty soon after that, I'll go to bed. And so my body doesn't get to be hungry and force me to eat all day because I'm sleeping. <laughs> so I have seen that as something that actually moves pounds quickly too, is exercising in the evening um, in, a, in a somewhat um, empty state, not completely fasted. Wow, I'm just too tired at night to exercise. Yeah. <laughs> I'm such a morning exerciser. But so when you're not eating in the morning, are you drinking coffee? I do drink coffee and that does break the fast a bit because I'll put some kind of creamer in it. So uh have to have my coffee, but I don't have start to have any real solid food till about nine or 10, somewhere in that window. 
So this is something that I think is really confusing people because we hear, we've been hearing about bulletproof coffee for years and intermittent fasting and drinking the coffee and not eating. But there are a lot of people like me who, if I drink coffee on an empty stomach, I get nauseous. You know, I can't do that. And I think that there's probably other people out there with issues similar. And so what would you recommend to people like that? You know, just not have coffee, not have anything and for hours, you know, after they wake up. That's not really something too realistic for a lot of people. No, you're right about that. And I would say do what works for you. If you can't have coffee on empty, don't have coffee on empty. I can't function for more than about an hour after I wake up if I don't get my coffee. Yeah. And so have what you need. I'm like, like I said, pick a diet that works for you. You know, Bulletproof, is, it's really you know, strict and it doesn't work unless you follow it to, to a T and you don't like it. You're not going to stay on that for six years, right? Or, or for a lifetime. So body hack, like really keep a log. You'll be surprised. There are things that are supposed to be so bad that, you know, the dieting industry has really labeled it as something you should never do. And you might be able to get away with it. And, uh, you know, it's like that research I mentioned coming from Israel. People really have different responses to food. So I think like a piece of whole wheat bread, you know, even like a bran muffin or something with that coffee, you just have to account for it somewhere else, right? Like maybe that's when you put in the longer empty time before you have your lunch, delay your lunch or do, you know, eat your dinner earlier, compensate somewhere else, exercise if you want, and <laughs> get it off some way. <laughs> so for those women out there who are trying to get rid of that stubborn belly fat, you know, what's, what's the answer? Yeah, and that's the hard one. And this is what prompted me to write this book. I have such stubborn fat. And we didn't get into this yet, but I have a whole section on all the weird ways we get fat. It's not just overeating or lack of exercise. You know, genetics is a huge component of it. There's certain populations of people who will just gain weight at a faster rate than others. Um, there's even bacteria. There's viruses that cause fats. Um, you can actually it's contagious. You can catch the ability to gain fat really quickly. Um, our hormones or age, a number of things will cause it. And so for women, you know, certainly the hormones are part of it. Gender, as I mentioned, is another part of it. You know, one thing to do is just, first of all, stay mentally strong. This is harder for you than it is for other people around you. You're not imagining it and you're not failing on a diet. First of all, stay mentally strong. This is real. It'll be one of the hardest things you do in your life is losing fat because our body is so empowered with ways to protect our fat. You know, we talked about leptin, um, but we you know there's a bunch of other you know methods like blood supply and things like that that fat uses to stay on you. So it'll be one of the hardest things you do. Um, ratchet up, you know, start with the basics. There's certain things that that cut across all body types that work for everyone. Stay off really dessert heavy desserty food right in the beginning. Don't don't pile those on. Stay off processed foods. Eat healthy. Stop eating sometime earlier in the day. Six try six o'clock right? And don't eat after six o'clock. If you don't start losing weight, just ratchet back, go to five, go to four. That's what I did, you know, in my own story. I just kept playing with it. So I, I got the sweet spot of when I was losing weight. Salad is a great thing to have. Um, we have stretch receptors in our, our stomach. Um, you can fill up on little fibrous food. A lot of it will pass. It gives your microbiome and your stomach and your uh, gut a run for the money. Even microbiome is designed to get calories out of food that we can't on our own. Even that has trouble with fibrous foods. A lot of it will pass. So you can fill up on things. And then be strategic. Um, make sure you're getting the foods you really need to have psychologically. Just be very strategic and limited about how you add those in. But there's a whole part in the book um, yeah, at the end of The Secret Life of Fat where I talk about how to start honing it and using all the learning. So design a diet that really can work for you. That's awesome. So Dr. Sylvia, tell everyone where they can find your book and more about you. Yeah, sure. So um, the book's at Barnes & Noble still. It's on Amazon. 
Um, so it's, it's pretty easy to get. You can find out more about me on Facebook at Sylvia Tara PhD um, on Twitter, but I don't tweet that much. I'm more on Facebook, I'll admit. Um, you can go to the website, um, www.thesecretlifeoffat. I have a mailing list. Um, I'm going to come out with a course one of these days. Really, it's going to be done. <laughs> I'm going to have it all ready to go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, working on the next books too. So that's a way to stay in touch with me. And I do answer questions if anyone has them on Facebook if you want to message me there. Wow. Well, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. This has been a really fat-filled, wonderful conversation. Great. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Okay. So, ladies, what are your top takeaways from today's show? What do you got, Em? I was thinking about my grandmother during this episode when we were talking about how women need fat, especially as we age, we rely on it for estrogen. And my grandma always said, as she got a little more plump. As she got older, she said, you don't want to be too skinny. You start looking witchy. Ooh, witchy. (laughs) (laughs) So there's one for you. (laughs) I like, um, you know, about protecting your fat, right? So uh, we're all always, not, not all of us, but lots of folks are always like, you know, I hate this fat and this fat is, you know, terrible. It's ruining my life. But if we protect it, we get the, the brown fat you exercise, you eat well, you take care of yourself, you get off the crack, so to speak, the crap food that everybody's eating. And and you can live healthfully with your fat, like Michelle's grandma, right? You're not witchy, you're just full, right? And luscious. and I Yes, luscious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's more to love. Yeah, yeah. And I like that line just that line about figure out what works for you and keep doing it. And I can't say that enough that you really do have to find what is going to be sustainable over the long term. And I love that she has a little bit of dessert every day because that works for her. You know, I probably would go back, you know, we talked about being rectangle girls instead of chocolate square girls. (laughs) You know, I might be too rectangle girls, so I have to be careful there, but I know that about myself and I can deal with it. So finding something that's super sustainable over the long term I think is the best advice, you know, to everyone out there. Yeah. Um, I'm not actually like a rectangle girl, I got to tell you. You're not? You know, like, I don't... You're a square? I, no, no, I'm actually <laughs> one of those people that doesn't actually like chocolate. No way, I never knew <laughs> yeah. that about you. <laughs> I don't actually like chocolate. If, if it's in Can't the house, there's problem. the show. <laughs> all this time we've been doing this show and we didn't know this? Now, I will eat it because Pablo brings it home. And sometimes if I'm bored, I'll take a, some, you know, a little bit of it. But, you know, like my, the things that, that I like, the sweets that I like are honey. I like a little extra honey in my tea. I like so crazy. Um, yeah, yes, I like <laughs> ricotta cheese on top of bread drizzled with honey and figs. Like that's the kind of sweet that I like. Yeah, wow. right, Andrea. We all know you're eating Skittles over there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what do I got? <laughs> I personally like ice cream would be my thing. That's oh. my guilty pleasure. But but anyway, I'd like to share a review that one of our listeners put on our iTunes. I love Healthy View Radio. It's one of my favorite things to tune into each week. I always leave with awesome information that inspires new ways on how to be the healthiest, happiest version of myself. Who doesn't want that? 
Isn't that great? Would you guys be so kind as to leave us a review at healthyviewradio.com? We would be really, really appreciative. And especially if it, if it was a five-star review, we'd be even more. So a it's big, been- <laughs> fat review. Yes, yes. And so <laughs> it's been our pleasure being with you here today. You can check us out on Facebook, on YouTube, and just about everywhere else. And we will see you next week with more great information. Take care. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Healthy View Radio. Please join Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fennighaus again for another fun and insightful edition of our show. We're live again next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you soon.